What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of To Dare is Human, a podcast dedicated to stories of grit, determination, persistence, and sometimes plain hard-nosed stubbornness on the human journey to success. I'm your host, Adam Connor. Before jumping fully into the episode, I wanted to go over another great review we've gotten on iTunes. As a reminder, uh, if you'd like me to shout you out on the show, simply leave a rating and review, tell me what you think of what you hear, and I will shout it out for everybody listening. This week, I wanted to bring up the comment from Mountain Dweller 11 who says, enjoying it more every week, gives five stars, and writes, I am loving this podcast. Often people look up to the famous and the famous only for a success story or a lesson, but it is easily forgotten that those people started as the common man. These episodes are a reminder of the gritty, down-to-earth journey the most successful people endure. Mountain Dweller 11, thanks very kindly for your words, and now on with the episode. Today I'll be talking with Danish Damani, a young entrepreneur who, while still in school, cultivated a passion for presentation just like I did. However, rather than cultivate in a performative sense, Danish has used his tech savvy to found Ori an app to assist students, schools, business people, and more in their journey to improving their public speaking skills. As someone who placed public speaking skills at the top of my priority list from an early age, I love that there are people like Donish out there who are helping others present themselves more effectively, and how convenient it is to have a solution for doing it from the comfort of your own home. Not that that's the only way Donish is leading the charge. He also founded Drexel University's Toastmasters Club, of course Toastmasters being the widely known leading global organization devoted to public speaking improvement. I look forward to sharing Donish's story with you on the show today. If nothing else, take a listen to the way he speaks. Hardly a filler word in there. He's walked the walk and quite literally talks the talk as well. So now, without further ado, I give you that story. Here's the founder of Ori and one of the smoothest natural speakers I've come across in a while, Danish Damani. Okay, so I'm here with Danish Damani, founder and CEO of Ori. And uh, Danish, it's great to talk with you. I know we've spoken before, but especially in the podcast here. Thanks for coming on. Hey, Adam. Danish here. Thanks a lot for inviting me to... Today is human. Very excited for this podcast. Now, we got in contact with each other actually a little while ago. You had approached me to uh, just get my advice and, and feedback, and I responded mostly because of my passion for speech and debate, which I had done in high school, as the listeners will remember from episode one. And when I heard about your idea and your concept to develop this application, which we will talk about throughout the course of this interview, I just had to help, at least in the way of providing some sort of feedback, because it's an issue that's near and dear to my heart. And anybody who can go out and try to help folks with that, specifically public speaking and presentation, uh, gets a check mark in my book. So it's been great to hear about your development thus far. And I look forward to talking about a little bit more in this uh, in this interview. Definitely. And on that note, I want to share with the audience who I believe are aspiring entrepreneurs that you should always feel free to reach out. If you have an idea, always try and look for that person who can help you. So in our case, we were just starting out and I just Googled who are some 
winners from past public speaking and speech and debate contests. And Adam's name showed up, so I looked him up. I looked him up on LinkedIn, reached out to him, and said, "Hey, Adam, we are building this public speaking app. Do you think can I get you some? Can I get your thoughts on it?" Yeah, and it really just took off from there. I was more than happy to help, and it's great advice. I'll be releasing a mini-sode sometime between now and when this is published, so listeners, you'll already hear this, in which I'll be talking about some things to get you into this spirit, and one of which is a book which is called How to Get a Meeting with Anyone, and I don't know if you've read that, Donish, but I certainly have, and it's helped me not only with this podcast, but general, uh, generally with my career, so it's really important to do, and it's not really even that difficult. It's just a matter of actually going out and doing it and finding the people. So in the interest of talking about speaking to people when you're just starting up, let's roll the clocks back a little bit and talk about your inception of this idea, which went through several names, several different beta builds, and actually uh, started with a hackathon and was the result of not knowing what to present. Is that right? Definitely. It was a very funny story. So my roommate and I love attending hackathons. It's like that thing you do if you're an engineer. You just go to these hackathons at various colleges. And it's it's a space where over the course of a weekend, you're trying to solve a problem and build a prototype. That's the solution to that problem. And one of the hardest points in a hackathon is coming up with the idea. So it was midnight. We still did not know what we would present. And that's when it clicked. Why don't we make something that would help people present their ideas better? And we knew that most of the crowd at the hackathon were a bunch of technical people. And sorry for stereotyping, but technical people have a hard time presenting. They have a hard time going in front of an audience and just talking about their ideas, even though they have some of the most wonderful ideas. So we decided to build a virtual reality application that put a stage and an audience in front of you, and you would present as though you were practicing and the app would give you feedback at the end of the day. Yeah, that's great. Uh, you know, I w- that's something that I would have loved to have, even in that form. Back when I was in high school, we had a fairly sized speech and debate team, but most of my practice was done at home by myself. So to even have an immersive experience like that, um, notwithstanding the updates that have come to your offering, uh, it would be very, very valuable. So... September of 2015 comes and goes this hackathon and by the way how did that how did that go how was it received at first glance I think it was a very unique idea most of the judges loved it the audience loved it and we actually came top 10 so we got chance to present it again so that was a very good win for us that day of course and you get to the top 10 you you see that this has some success or at least there is some traction with this idea but for the time being between September 2015 and extending out through the summer of 2016 it was an idea that more or less was put on the back burner is that right something where you had other focuses of course being in school looking for internships trying to build out your career beyond schooling uh, that took a back seat while you took care of those other things that were important yeah there is this idea of security just going and building your own idea is not very it's very risky right So I'm a college student. I'm on this track to become a mechanical engineer. I'm going to my dream job was to work at Boeing or SpaceX. And I'm on this track doing all my classes, applying for internships, 
And then here comes an idea that people are like, hey, Danish, this is something really helpful. But there's always this compromise. So we, after the weekend where we came top 10, we came back to school and reality struck again and we just shelved this idea. It was just there in the sidelines. When people would reach out to us, we'd be like, yeah, we built this. It's cool. But it was just there until summer of 2016 when we actually got good internships, both of us, my roommate and I. And we were in the work work cycle, work routine, where you go 9 o'clock, come back at 5, same thing the next day. But the best thing about being on a work routine is after you come back at 5, you are free. Unlike college, when you have homework, assignments, midterms, exams, when, when we were on internship, we had nothing to do. And so we decided, why don't we pick out this idea from the shelf again and explore its business potential? And so over that summer break, we would participate in business plan competitions, talk in front of investors, go to judges, seek out mentors, just present our ideas and validate all our assumptions. And things started looking way promising. It's the mark of a good entrepreneur uh, just to be asking good questions, just to be going out and taking any time you have to devote to this passion or side hustle or whatever it is. And while it may not have been the idea that attracted the interest of the people who you were working for 9 to 5, I'm sure that spirit certainly did, because sooner or later, those folks came knocking. They wanted you to come back and intern again and potentially work with them, right? Yeah, so it is a... I think... As you seek out and work on your own ideas, you develop this entrepreneurial mindset that is very well translated into the workforce as well. So to be entrepreneurial does not only mean to start your own business. It can also come in form when you're doing your day-to-day job. So for example, if I was working on a project, I would think a little bit differently, a little bit entrepreneurially. Something I would think of creative solutions to the day-to-day problems that my internship might have. So those are the kind of skills that my manager, my coworkers really valued. But, you know, at the end of the day, that spirit ends up biting you when it comes to choosing between that security of taking a job with a well-established organization and going out and starting your own thing. Now, luckily for you, this wasn't a decision that you had to make after the summer of 2016. Fortunately, you had the time to take that idea which you had pulled back off the shelf and started to develop, and you went from hackathons to business competitions. Is that right? Where you could just sit in front of people who could potentially invest in this idea, again, participating in asking the question and getting advice, but in a much more formal way. Correct. And I think people think of being an entrepreneur is risky, but I think there's another way to look at it. As an entrepreneur, you're always trying to minimize your risks. So what we are doing right now as as college students, before we go out into the real world, is we're trying to minimize all the risks we can. We are always out there validating our assumptions. We are validating our business models and taking our product out there and putting it in front of users and understanding, is there a need for such a solution? Is there a need for a public speaking app? And therefore, I think one big advice is try and minimize your risks. Don't think that starting a business is going to be risky. Yes, it is, but then your job is to minimize those risks. And there are strategic ways of doing that. 
Now, whether or not you're able to minimize those risks outside of pure business metrics that are impacting the viability of your idea, I'm sure, at least for you, there had to be some emotion to it. I mean, here you are, middle to end of 2016, uh, which is just a couple of months ago, looking towards your graduation in June of 17, which is upcoming, having this idea which you're juggling, which you would love to pursue, but again, it involves this fall from security where you have to be responsible for your own funding, for putting food on the table, uh, and grappling with, you know, the fear that however much research you can do, there's always the chance that something might slip up, that some competitor might come into the space, and that you might not be as successful as you initially thought you would be. Now, this was uh, something that I'm sure you were thinking about, but certainly helps when you're getting endorsed by some of the most prestigious uh, institutions out there, not only in the world of investing, but for example, in the world of education. I happen to know, because we had this conversation before, that you have now built ORI into this application which is preparing for public use, but which is also now currently being piloted uh, at the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. Why don't you talk to us about that? That is correct. So one thing we did mention at the beginning is always reaching out and always being out there. That's how you land opportunities. And if we were not out there at competitions at different events, maybe Wharton would not have found us. And one day they reached out to us and they are like, we heard about your demo, or about your mobile app, that public speaking app. Can you give us a demo? And so we scheduled a meeting and it was really interesting to them. They're like, these are some of the things that we give feedback, that our instructors spend time giving feedback to our students. Why don't we let the artificial intelligence do that so that our instructors can save time and offer the more nuanced feedback, the more qualitative feedback that would be more value to their time. And that's what we are doing with colleges right now. It's always nice to have your ideas validated and a good value shown, especially uh, when the pressure is on to make an impact. But what about those moments in which you are being questioned or challenged by the folks whom you need to win over in order to advance, whether it's somebody who's in an institution? whether it's somebody who's in an educational institution or somebody who is an investor uh, on whose money you need to rely in order to go forward. Why don't you talk about those moments or maybe one in particular where you were questioned or challenged and maybe were either thrown off or a little intimidated and how did you deal with it? I do remember one occasion where we were at a pitch competition, we were presenting our business model and one of these judges at the end, he said, I own a a biomedical company and I would not use your product. This was our sales training platform. And he's like, I would not use it, period. And I would ask him, why not? He's like, well, speaking is a very face-to-face -face game. You have to be in front of the person in order to practice your presentations. Otherwise, it makes no sense just practicing on an app. And that was taunting to us. I had this guy who was credible, he was a manager of a company, he would be a decision maker who would try, who would be the one who would select whether to use our product or not. And here he is telling all the judges that he would not use it. And so sometimes you have to approach those delicate situations in a more strategic way. You should never try and argue back. You should always agree, yes, and always try and probe those questions. Why not? And it's always better to agree to those questions rather than arguing out on them. 
And then you can, after the presentation, you can always go out and seek more advice and try to clarify if there was any breakdown in communication. And that's what we did. I have to admit, I'm curious because you bring up the idea of agreeing with uh, those who are challenging you. And I've come across that in my own personal career in sales, but I have to imagine that for you, somebody who hasn't had that much experience, you know, out in the world, uh, really at the end of the day, selling yourself, it has to be really hard for you personally to agree with somebody who's throwing a challenge right up in your face. But I guess at the end of the day, it is it is valuable to match that agreement with, I understand your concern. Here's this question I'd like to ask to clarify your reasoning and to understand you better. Yeah, definitely. And everything is a selling game. You're either selling your experiences, you're selling yourself, or you're selling your product. And so being a starter, being a founder, you have to be a good salesman. And if you're not, then there are so many resources online on how to become a better sales guy. And it's nice to know that this platform which you have built, which sure is helpful for public speaking insofar as classes or folks who are doing public speaking, whether it's competitively or casually, but it also has this, it also has this feature which allows you to, hang on, let me do this over. There's also wide applicability in sales. So there is both a personal and professional use, and that's always good to be able to build your value out. I want to switch gears for a moment because shortly after building this app, you realized that there were organizations out there who were trying to do this outside of education. I want to talk about Toastmasters for a minute because obviously Toastmasters is an organization dedicated to helping people start uh, building their public speaking skills to improve in that space. And it seems like something that was very similar to what you were doing, so much so that you embraced the concept completely and started its own branch on your campus? Yeah, so... Once we came out of the hackathon mode, we just had a proof of concept based on our own intuition, what we thought that people would need feedback upon. But then we sought out solutions that currently active public speakers are using, current methodologies that speakers use to improve their public speaking skills. And Toastmasters was one of them that really stood out. Now, Toastmasters is a nonprofit club around the world. It has so many hundreds of thousands of members spread very well nationwide in America as well as internationally. And so we attended a few few meetings, a few events regionally, and learned the techniques that they use to help their members improve and slowly started to pick out those techniques and put them in our app. And over time, we also did start a branch on our own college campus so that we could get other students to start coming to them and improving their public speaking skills. I have to guess that's probably one of the more technologically advanced chapters of Toastmasters now with the power of your service and your offering on the back end. You're getting that mixture of not only the face-to-face that the challenger at that investor round was talking about, but also the technological back end, which uh, really helps to really helps to enhance the entire experience. Yeah, that's a very, very unique point because when when you want feedback on your speech, sometimes it can be judgmental when it's coming from a human being. But when we run our beta testing, when we use our app, when we are practicing public speaking, many people tell us, hey, when the app tells me that I use too many filler words or if I talk too fast, I don't feel insulted. 
And that's a very unique thing that you cannot get from a human being, that you can only get from a speech assistant living on your phone. Yep, totally understand that. So here we are now in the beginning of 2017. You're heading into your final semester now at university, which is a choice that you made. uh, In fact, a choice that you decided to change. Hang on, let me go back. We're here in the beginning of 2017, looking at your last semester of school, and I say that because you actually decided to curtail uh, your education from the five-year master's program down to a traditional four-year education because this is something you're so passionate about and the prospects are so high that it's something that you're going to start to pursue full-time and something that you're going to break away from the aforementioned security of these large tech organizations who I'm sure are hungry for your talent to pursue. That must be a pretty, uh, frankly, terrifying prospect. Yeah. I'm glad security is coming up every now and then in our conversation. I chose to do a master's program, like an accelerated program where I get my master's as well as my bachelor's in five years because, frankly, the world is getting competitive. Nowadays, it's not enough just to have a bachelor's degree. It does not give you that sense of security. And thus, I decided to pursue my master's as well, because not only does it give you more credibility, but also gives you more better opportunities within organizations. And that's the track I was on. But now that I have been building this company on the side, something that is my passion, something that I believe can really help billions of people around the world, I'm willing to make that compromise willing to give up that security and forgive my master's degree and just pursue a normal bachelor's, finish school, and pursue this. And at the end of the day, you have to look at the worst case scenario. What is it? I graduate with my degree, so that's a check. And I work on this company, or I, for the next year. And as you said, maybe another competitor comes in and he just takes over us, or we fail to meet the market needs. That's one year of learning for me. That's not one year of waste. I would have learned over that one year building this company and while putting on so many hats, I would have learned so many skill sets that I would not have got after graduating and taking a traditional nine to five job. And so for me, the worst case scenario is still better than going for a full time job. Wow. That is something that frankly, that is something that frankly I had not thought of. The fact that there is, sure, security and safety that you are foregoing by deviating from a normal path, but in fact, just perhaps as much safety and security in knowing that your, I guess, if we're going to get with tech terms, minimum viable product here is a positive year of learning, which you can then turn into continued entrepreneurship going forward. It is a dare to be sure, but a dare that comes with perhaps less perceived risks than totally transitioning into something new. Although you are doing something new within the industry within which you have expertise. I think that's a really great point. So let's talk about the next six months. How are you preparing to take this idea, release it to the public, and encounter, I'm sure, much more criticism that you can ever get from a room of investors? How are you planning to continually innovate, continually improve so that you're staying ahead of the game, ahead of competition, and ultimately curtailing any future risk or any future risk that you can curtail? Definitely. Our next three months, let's start with that, 
is launching our app. We have been in beta. Our mobile app has been in beta for the last three, four months. We have been getting a lot of good feedback. And we have collected all of that, and we are in a design sprint right now where we are building and incorporating all those good feedback we receive from our beta testers into the version one of our app, which we are launching next month on the App Store. After it's launched, the idea is to get as much traction as possible, to get monthly active users who are not only downloading your app, but constantly engaging with it. So we will have retention strategies, we'll do some more marketing, reach out to more people. And that's the goal for the next three months. And then to your point about remaining competitive, nowadays, if you release an app, it's so easy to get a clone out there. Remember when Flappy Bird came out? There were like 100 other Flappy Birds within the next right. few months. Yeah, exactly. Right? I remember that. So it is risky to rely to have your whole business model rely on a single app. And therefore, we are proud to say that that's not the only innovation that us as Ori has. Our public speaking mobile app is just our first product. It's just the first stepping stone. We already have down in our product roadmap different niche products that we can build upon this ecosystem of speech analysis, something more targeted towards the education sector, something more targeted towards the sales industry. And as a company, you have to have these things planned out from now. You need to know what you're going to do three months down the line, six months, nine months, 12 months. And what is your longer term vision, your five-year vision? And so we have all these things planned out in order to remain competitive. Well, I'm sure there are many people, including me, who are looking forward to what that roadmap manifests itself into for the public in the next three, six, nine, 12 months and five years. Now, I have two more questions for you as part of this uh, interview, Danish, and I've been asking all of my guests this, but the first is regarding advice, and the second is basically just pubbing your services, where can we find you? But I'll start with the first. Say there is somebody out there who maybe is in the same position as you. They have a side hustle going on. They are grappling between a great opportunity in a still growing industry with tech with some big names, but they have this idea on the side that they think has value, but they aren't exactly sure if they want to dive full in and forego the opportunities that you have foregone in order to pursue them. What piece of advice would you give to those people so that they are sufficiently inspired to, if not jump in and do a full dare at least think about it a little harder one thing that was instrumental to us actually going out there and executing was when people themselves told us that your idea is good you're sitting on a million dollar idea those are the kind of things that are the best motivators even yourself if you are sitting on an idea and you still believe it's a million dollar idea sometimes that's not good enough to motivate yourself and therefore the best way to get external motivation is to go out there, go out to events, go out to meetups, go out to networking events, talk about your idea, talk about all the things you are trying to solve, all the innovative ideas that you have that could solve a big pain point in the current industry. And if you get 10 people saying yes and only two people saying no, you will always have those no's, but then focus on the yes. Always go out there, seek advice, improve upon your current business model, and you don't have to spend money. It, it can just be an idea. It can be a basic MVP, a minimum viable product that could be a few sketches on pen and paper. And that's it. That's good enough to present your idea. 
That's great advice and also something that I know personally that you've taken to heart through contacting me and was truly the genesis for uh, us talking and also for me having you on this podcast. Now, the last question, I want to make sure that you have a chance to pub yourself. If people are more interested in ORI or in the uh, just concept of speech analysis and speech improvement through technology, how can, how can they continue to follow you and the company? How can they reach out to you? You can go on our website, www.oriapp.com. That's O-R-A-I-app.com. You can also follow us on Twitter, ORIapp. And my email is Danish. D-A-N-I-S-H at oriapp.com and I would be happy to answer any follow-up questions if you need any tips on public speaking, if you need any encouragement or just bouncing out or brainstorming your idea, I would be happy to do that. You know, he's open to it because he's tried it himself and been successful at it. And if you do have curiosity around the subject, I encourage you to reach out to him myself. Danish, founder and CEO of Ori, thanks so much for being on the show. It was a pleasure to have you. Adam, this was an exciting event. Thank you so much. As mentioned, you can interact with Donish and with Ori at oriapp.com. That's O-R-A-I-app.com. And to him directly at Donish at oriapp.com. They're still in beta to which you can request access. And I've taken a look at their stuff as I have it. And I can tell you that there's some great stuff there and it's only getting better. Donish. Thanks again for coming on, man. Make sure you keep following To Dare is Human by subscribing to the show on wherever you get your podcasts. And guys, once again, the best way to keep improving the show for you is through your feedback. So leave a rating and review if you like what you hear, and I'll shout you out right here on the show. Likewise, I'm on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, all at To Dare is Human. And I'm here by email, hello at todareishuman.com. All right, that's it. That's enough for now. That's all for this episode of the show. Thank you for tuning in. And until next time, I'm your host, Adam Connor. Have a good one. Keep daring. And I'll see you later. Later.